The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 475 for November 17th, 2013. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We answer your questions, we share your tips, we share tips of our own, and together we all try to learn a little something new about the Mac here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fearful, Connecticut, this is uh, John F. Braun, but it's gotten kind of crowded in here, Dave, because... Well, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I also have... Pilot Pete. Welcome Ooh, back, Pilot Pete. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Jens. It's great to have you. And all the way from uh, on the Skype lines, we have somebody else. Say hi. Hi, Michael Johnston in uh, Rockford, Illinois. The home of Cheap Trick and Michael Johnston. Indeed. Yeah. Hey, it's great to have you, Michael. Everybody that listens to the show knows who you are, because, of course, we thank you in every show for all the work that you do behind the scenes, converting Mac Geek Gab into AAC for our uh chapterized pleasure and uh but you're here today to talk about a couple other things too and really just to join us for the show too so uh so that's good you'll talk about your new uh appler.com website get appler.com sorry yeah i have it written wrong here i know the url i say it every time i stopped getting it wrong uh a long time what's that for a little while anyway until today that's right (laughs) until just now that's right yep zero days without a workplace accident now that's (laughs) right All right. Uh, so it'll be crowded. It'll be crazy. It'll be fun. Uh, John, hey, how you doing over there? Um, fantastic. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. All right. I'm going to get into this. I'm going to talk about our first sponsor. Our first sponsor is Barebones Software at Barebones.com. Barebones are the folks that make both BB Edit and Yojimbo along with text wrangler and, and several other things. Uh, these guys really, what it comes down to is they've got a team of people that knows how to write software and, uh, and BB edit is one of my favorite utilities. I leave that thing running all day long on my Mac in the office. I, there, there is never a time when BB edit's not running and it's not because I'm writing code all day long. I really don't write a lot of code anymore. Uh, but I'm constantly finding myself managing text files in, or just managing text. Um, certainly, I do use it when I'm going to need to write anything in HTML or PHP or if I ever do any C, C stuff. Of course, it works fine for that. JavaScript. And the cool part about it is it senses what language you're writing in and formats the text visually on the screen. It doesn't change the text on the disk, but it formats it on the screen to highlight functions and parse things out and you can actually fold up functions or expand functions. So it's great for that kind of stuff, but it's also great just for all those little things you need to do with text, like sorting something or uh, converting from rich text to just regular text. That's actually done really easily with BB edit because BB edit doesn't support rich text. You take rich text, you paste it in, you copy it and bam, now you've converted that rich text into plain text and you can paste it in. It doesn't come with any crazy formatting or anything. If you need to count characters and words and all of that, BB edit does that automatically. It just shows up at the bottom of the window. If you need to sort things, it's really, really simple. You just paste it in, go to the, uh, the menu and choose sort and boom, you're done. Really, really easy to use. 
and uh and and it's just fantastic and you can also invoke it from the command line so if you're one of those terminal geeks and you don't like to necessarily edit text in you know the little terminal window because vt100 or whatever they're emulating down there uh isn't as nice as being able to use your mouse you type bb edit and the name of the text file and boom up it comes in bb edit and then you can just edit and when you save it saves it back there really good stuff Highly recommend you check it out and you can download a trial copy from them at barebones.com. So go ahead and check them out. BB edit from barebones.com. You know, John, uh, last week we, uh, we ran out of time. Uh, we, we did what may have been our longest show ever. Uh, and, uh, and at, at 90 minutes we had to cut ourselves off. So, uh, so we missed a couple of geek challenges that I wanted to throw out there that we wanted to throw out there. So I'm going to throw those out. Of course, if any of us here or uh, any of the folks in the chat room will say hi to everybody at MacGeekGab.com slash stream, listening in and chatting with us. Uh, if anybody knows the answer while we're going through these, great. But, uh, but really, these are geek challenges. We kind of throw them out to you folks, and, uh, and we, we're always curious. So with that, I think it's time to start with geek challenge number one. Geek challenge number one comes to us from David. He says, I'd love to become a tag person, but my nested folders are doing a great job of defining everything. What I'd really like is a way to have all of my files tagged with the names of their enclosing folder and better yet, their entire path. So a file contained in documents, projects, client A, project one would be assigned three tags and one in documents, archives, client A, project zero would share two of those tags. It would also mean that in the future, instead of moving a file when I'm finished with it, I could just delete the project tag and replace it with the archive tag. The problem is I don't want to manually do all that work with my dozens of folders and hundreds of subfolders. I think a script should be able to do it, and I'm not talking about a folder action that I have to assign hundreds of times either. Mostly I want to avoid the needless typing of tags. To my chagrin, there doesn't seem to be an automator action for tags yet, and I don't know how to copy the name of the enclosing folder anyway. I think the script would be pretty short and simple for somebody who knew how to write it. It would essentially say tag each file that is not a folder with the name of the parent folder and its parent folder. Uh, you could iterate through it, run it once for your entire hard drive and have tags based on your folder structure. Or perhaps there's another way. So, yeah, anybody that's uh, automating tagging uh, and Pete, you're raising your hand. So. I actually have a question, but it may be the solution. Okay. I don't know. I haven't tried it, but does mm-hmm. Hazel do tags? Hazel might be the answer here. Yeah. Yeah, I love Hazel, man. That moves files all over my computer for me. Yeah, and if Hazel's not currently the answer, it might be with a you know a Maverick savvy update. Sure. I mean, sure. I know it's com- compatible with Mavericks, but that doesn't mean it's, right, it's right. you know embraced Mavericks yet. So uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, I love Hazel. That's good I stuff. Have an idea. Go, John. So I think I may have found something, and I will paste that into our chat room okay and, uh, if you don't know we have a chat room macgeekab.com slash stream where you can join us for listening to the audio and participating in our irc chat room here but i did a quick uh, search here and my google foo i think appears to be strong but one place that i go for programming tips of all sorts dave so there's this awesome site uh stackoverflow.com okay i actually found uh, an article titled modifying file tags with apple script oh that's awesome and it shows a code snippet. It doesn't do exactly uh, what we want here, but but uh, like with many things, I mean, I, I always go to this site to, to get code to start with because writing things from scratch to me is usually, well, to be honest, a lot of just a waste of time because somebody else has probably wanted to do what you do. So as long as your Google Foo is strong, um, uh, 
it looks like they, they have this added this feature to uh, Apple script in Mavericks. So. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Up. Oh. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else on that? Michael, any thoughts on that? And are you a, are you a tags guy? I haven't gotten into tags yet. Um, I haven't really explored how they work if they're much different from the labels. Right. And actually, as, as you guys were talking, I was curious to know, because I have a couple Macs, uh, if if and how tags work across uh, multiple machines, because it seems that when you add a tag to something, uh, you're, the finder automatically brings that in as a list of the potential tags on your machine as opposed to something that you search for and you may or may not have. Yep. So that's it. That's an interesting question. Yeah. How, how are the syncing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, very interesting. Fun. That's what we do. All right. Uh, yet another one here from, uh, from a different Dave. I promise it's a different Dave. He has a question too. That's a, the right likely story. Guys, thank you for keeping my brain thinking around so many enjoyable Mac and geeky topics as I ride to and from work. Uh, You mentioned in 473 about the concept of pages being stripped down. I read soon after uh, 473 came out that Apple indeed has confirmed they'll add back features. They didn't mention mail merge, though, so I tried my previous version of pages, and for some reason mail merge wasn't working. Oh boy. Is there a mail merge program out there for printing out paper as the result that would work without spending $180 on FileMaker Pro? I'd love your advice on that. Last, I recently received my first Synology disk station, and I can't say enough about it. The amount of cool, geeky things you can do with it, such as easy file sharing without storing those files on your own computer, taking up room, is just amazing. So thank you for pointing us that way um i'd imagine you could do a whole show on this station alone alone even though that might be crazy but talk about multiple cool stuff found so cheers and keep getting caught doing the amazing work and this is where you can cut me off take care thanks dave that's uh yeah you're too kind my friend so yeah mail mirrored software uh it, it is a shame of course you can still use the old pages right but uh but that's not gonna that's not gonna fly for very long uh there is something I know of called TapForms. Uh, it is a, a, essentially a FileMaker killer or FileMaker replacement. It's made uh, by a third party. It's not you know affiliated with FileMaker, obviously. At TapForms.com, uh, the Mac version is twenty five bucks. I think the iPad version is about that, maybe twenty, and then the iPhone version is a little bit less. But it's uh, it 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 does not yet do exactly what you want. But I talked to the author. And they say that uh, it's definitely something that's planned for uh, for probably, you know, next three to six months um, down the road. So that that's something to watch, but it's not going to answer your it's not going to answer your call right now. Any uh, any mail merge stuff any you guys know about? Well, Microsoft Word that probably costs as much, if not more, as what he was mentioning. But that led me to think, Dave, well, could, um, but the whole Microsoft no- Word. Um, you'd have to, you'd have to merge from an Excel file, right? At that point. Uh, I haven't used the feature in a while. I, I just okay. looked and the version that I have installed. I mean, there is a, a, under the tools menu, uh mail merge, uh, module yeah. or feature, but, yeah. but I haven't used it in detail, but that leads me to, uh, suggest that you may want to look at one of the, uh, uh, I haven't looked at these in a while either, Dave, like open office 
or some of these uh, open source office compatible things to see if maybe they have some rudimentary uh, oh. mail merge features in there. Open Office is one. I'm, I'm trying to think of some others here. That's the first one that comes to mind. That's a good idea. Huh. Uh, under pressure. Yeah, that, that, that seems to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I haven't looked in a while. I, I know there's another one. Open Office, again, is just the one that, comes to, that pops into my head here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a somewhat Office compatible suite. Very interesting. Huh. I never would have thought it. I like that. Open Office. All right. Yeah, cool. It's now Apache. Yeah. Uh, OpenOffice.org. Right. Um, and there may be a few others. We'll, we'll have to dig for that. But hey, Price is Right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Ah, you surprised me, Mr. Braun. I like that. That's good. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? Or is it time to move on to our third and final? Um, well, we had some in the room here. Well, oh, we had a couple nice others. Catch. Uh, let's see. Libre Office. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, ha- I have not heard of that one. And then here, you may know about this, Dave. Uh, someone else suggested uh, Google Docs for mail merge. Really? Did Google Docs do that? Google Docs do a know. printed mail. I know they'll do like email mail merge. Hmm. Um, but, but I mean, it's possible. I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just didn't, didn't know. Huh. Google Docs mail merge and they will. There's, there's uh yeah. Huh? Wow. We just got almost all the answers here today. I know it's great. Tonight. Well, that's, that's, that's the point of the geek challenge is, you know, sometimes most of the questions that we bring to the show, we come in with what we at least believe to be a correct answer. Uh, but sometimes the stuff shows up and it's like, you know, at, at the time that we're answering the question, scratching our head just isn't enough. But uh, but they seem like good enough questions that should have solutions. So. Uh, so that's why we bring them in. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't like, you know, the, the what I would consider the holy grail geek challenge uh, that that we've been asking for basically since we started this show is. How to get iTunes to sync a library amongst multiple machines. Oh, well, that's easy. Here's the answer. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like reliably and, and keeping all your playlists in sync and all of your, you know, everything just, but I want one library for my house, but that doesn't, you know, I mean, we all know that that's just not there yet. So Synology is, uh, I, I've actually been dabbling, Dave. I actually did the video one. We, yeah. we may address that in a, a later, where I actually did some uh, video streaming to my Apple TV with the mm-hmm. Synology, which is pretty darn cool. It's very cool. Yeah, well, they have an iTunes server, I thought. But yeah, but that's, that's not quite what we're looking for. That's not quite what we're looking. It's it, it, Apple, in order for this to work, Apple would need to fully embrace and, and, and implement this. It's not just something that could happen kind of uh, around the seams, so, which is unfortunate. But it is what it is. All right, third and final one. Do you want to rant about, uh, about iTunes, Michael, or should we just move on? Not enough time. <laughs> Not. <laughs> All right. Uh, Paul asks, I wonder if you guys can help with a question I can't seem to find the answer to about Mavericks and Mountain Lion and prior operating system I, systems. I relied heavily on being able to make my folders different colors, either to make one of my many folders stand out in Dropbox or as a way of color coding the status of a file or folder. Blue files were those things that had been sent to clients, green signed off, orange needed action, that kind of thing. With Mavericks, I knew that tags were a new feature, but I didn't realize that tags would mean the functionality of being able to color folders would be lost to us. 
I don't really have much use for tags, but really would like to be able to color code my folders again. The ability to tag a file and have a small colored dot appear associated with the file in the finder window is, I'm afraid, not cutting the mustard. Uh, and mustard is an interesting tag color. Uh, any ideas how I can get my colored files and folders back? Anybody? Don't all speak at once. <laughs> I, I think they might need to use uh, something besides Finder to get that back. Uh, I'm, I was actually looking it up yeah. uh, in uh, Apple discussion forums, and it looks like someone said that uh, Pathfinder yeah, might be the yeah. solution for that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's just a dot now. So. Or forklift. Uh, Maybe. I don't know if forklift will do that or not. Just make sure you're close to the mic, Pete. Oh, sure. That's I don't know if forklift will do that or not. I think they heard you. I've got enough compression on you that we probably can get away with you being lazy, but, you know, it's not how we roll. (laughs) Yeah, Pathfinder. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably the best option. All right. Hey, you know, um, it hit me that I didn't... (laughs) I didn't put something on the agenda that I probably should have, uh, John, but uh, but my agenda is on something that I should have put on the agenda. And that is uh, I replaced my iPad this week. I, uh, I I placed an order for an iPad mini T-Mobile mm-hmm. iPad mini. And uh, and I thought I was going to have to wait five to ten days because that's how that went. And then my local Apple store had one. So I ran down and got it on uh, on Wednesday night and uh I, you know, and we talked about this last year when I had that iPad mini, the non retina iPad mini from Apple to uh, to test for whatever that month was. And I loved it. And uh, and it didn't take me but about three hours to remember how much I loved it and and be totally. It's interesting. I do not miss the size of the other. Uh, you know, I went from an iPad three, which had a retina screen to this iPad mini. And I I, I don't. I don't even notice that the screen is smaller, if that makes any sense. Uh, I, I suppose I'm, I'm maybe I'm keeping it closer to my face when I'm using it just in a natural way. But it, it, there's nothing that I've done yet, including doing the show where I actually use a stylus to mark things off on the agenda. It's just flowing as smoothly as it ever has. But of course, the nice part is it's tiny and I can bring it around and I can hold it in one hand to read and all of that great stuff. It for me. The Retina iPad Mini is the iPad I've always wanted. Uh, you know, as, as bizarre as some people may think that sounds, I'm going to back you up in the sense that I just went from the eleven, or the 13-inch to the 11-inch Air. Yes. And within a day or so. The MacBook like, Air. Right, just the MacBook Air. Yep. And I'm looking at it going, this doesn't seem any smaller than the 13-inch one. Yep. It just You naturally adapt to the size, and it's so much nicer for hauling around. Mm-hmm. It really is. So I'm, yep. I'm eager to try that. yeah that looks cool it's great and i you know i got the t-mobile one because they uh t-mobile will offer me and i know this is gonna this is gonna grind your gears john but uh you know on the ipad it works t-mobile offers me 200 megs uh a month of free data and then of course i can buy more or i could get an at&t sim and add it to my at&t account with my iphones and all of that stuff but you know even in a case it's nothing it's uh, pete's holding it in his hand i bought a cheap case too i um I just went on Amazon because I wanted a folio case and I didn't have one in the pile of cases that I had. I had a lot of cases and all the iPad mini cases for the non retina work on the retina uh, iPad mini. The, the retina iPad mini yeah. is 0.3 millimeters thicker, I think. But uh, but it, it or I don't know, it's some it's it's a little bit thicker. Just beautiful. Though, yeah. The reading, it's so easy on the eyes. He's mm-hmm. got uh, 
He's got Goodreader up, and he's saying annotating the PDF Actually, the I've show agenda. Note taker HD or, or note note taker. That's yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Which is one I use for notes when I'm doing meetings at work. Yeah. And uh, boy, that's just easy on the eyes. There's nothing to it. There's nothing to so, it. Yeah. 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 It's great. Yeah, I'm not happy with T-Mobile, Dave. They misled me. I know you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they, they claimed that I could do a data plan and hotspot on my iPhone 5S, and I talked to one of their reps on the phone, and he sent me the NanoSIM, and I put it in there, put some money in my account, and, and uh, then I called back, and they're like, oh, no, you can't do that. I'm like, but I could do it with the iPad, right? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, what's the difference? To me, it's a, a not a technical limitation, but they just choose not to allow the, as far as I know, they just don't choose to allow the iPhone to do this. Got to jailbreak that. Though. That's I true. I get it. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's part of Apple's deal uh, where they they don't allow that unless you have a truly unlocked iPhone. But if, if your iPhone was truly unlocked, uh, would they allow you to do it? Well, it is unlocked. I know, but... I put, I put a T-Mobile SIM in there. I got a phone number. Uh, no, I'm, I'm allowed. Uh, the, the Verizon iPhone 5S uh, is unlocked, if I understand the term correctly. Right, but you don't have a T-Mobile voice plan on that phone well that's what they that's what eventually happened once i got the the sim from them right. Even though it said on it you know it said you know no contract nano sim and i'm like great put it in there it you know says my carrier is t-mobile i get a signal and when i tried to either access data or uh, activate the hotspot said well you don't have this feature with your plan and i'm like okay well let me call back and 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 activate that and they said no we we, we can't do that i think they won't it's not that they can't but they won't and i don't know if it's contractual or what yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But I've it heard about this the radio. From, I mean, it works. Sure. It works. You yeah, know, you, you just can't do tethering, right? That's that's what's correct. Limited. Yeah. And unfortunately, when I you know talked to their salesperson and said this is exact that this is all I want to do. I want to do data through the phone. I don't want to do it through. On, on the bright side, though, Verizon did tell me. So I called them back, and apparently, I can enable and disable hotspot, and they will prorate the charges for that. So it's not as bad as I thought. I thought mm-hmm. if I enable that feature would be permanent but they claim that i can enable and disable it at will and only pay for what i use so oh that's good oh so maybe that's easier for you anyway it is yeah Yeah. because i I don't need hotspot i don't need to pay the extra 20 bucks a month but uh right i like it like when i'm traveling i'd like to turn it on and be able to access it so sure yeah no of course yeah 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 this is unfortunate yeah 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 yeah, i've heard about that though you can't buy just a data sim for the iphone but but you know you can buy one for a, a MiFi. Right. Or or the iPad. Well, that's what they said. You could either buy a hotspot device from us yeah. or an iPad and uh, then we'll let you do it. And it's yeah. like, well, I, I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I think from from the carriers, from the people that I've talked to kind of kind of deeper in with the carriers, I believe that's a limitation that Apple has put on the device. No. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're because they all are like stuck that way. It, it's not not just T-Mobile from what I understand. It's good stuff, right. but I do love this mini. It's uh, but yeah. It's, so back to the cases, you know. I I um I, as as we've talked about, John and I tend to wind up getting gifts from the you know the FedEx guy. It's not from FedEx, but the FedEx guy delivers gifts all the time, and and often these are filled with cases. But uh, I didn't have exactly the case that I wanted, so I went onto Amazon, and my kids have taught me because my kids like to have like different cases. They like them with, with stupid designs on them or whatever. And, uh, and <laughs> oh. so, and so they buy, no. So they go online and they buy cases and they buy these like cheap iPhone cases. They're like two bucks or something on Amazon. And, uh, 
And so I, I went on and I found this case that uh, it's a really like slim uh, folio case, but it doesn't come over the top of the iPad. It just kind of grips it on the sides. And it's exactly what I wanted. And I actually found one for three dollars uh, on Amazon. But I think this one cost me ten. OK, and it's to- it's cheap. I mean, it's you know, it's from a company called Fotiv that I'd never heard of before. But I my I reasoned that, A, it's a ten dollar experiment and I really wanted to know. And B, I also reasoned that I, I think the same Malaysian family that makes all of the cases for like, you know, spec and in case and all those guys probably makes this, too. And uh, and it's just, you know, marketed in a different way or not marketed at all. And sure enough, I mean, it, this case is uh, it's got some quirky things to it, but I, I, I trust my iPad in it. It works fine. Um, they obviously don't do all the great marketing, but uh, but, you know, if you're just looking for a, a, a simple case, it's not so bad. So. Uh, so there yeah, you go. I got one, too. I should send out the link to it. I think it's a uh, yeah, it's a, made by inexpensive labor here, but it was mm. through a, a living social. I don't know if you ever did deals yeah. with them, but they have a. Yeah. But they had a uh, battery case um, for the iPhone 4, 11 bucks. For the iPhone 5, 16 bucks. And it's a 2200 milliamp hour. And, right. you know, I powdered up, uh, you know, put my phone in there. Uh, nothing burst into flames. And it even has a, the, the one for the 5 actually has a little stand, which is a feature I do like. So, uh, oh, that's good. Seems to work. Actually, I'll send out my link to it. Yeah, put the link in the, in the show notes. That'd be great. Yeah, it's just interesting. Now, with the, I, I will say with the iPad 5, you are sorry with the iPhone five or with anything with a lightning connector. So your battery case would, would fall into this. You've got to make sure that it's certified to work with iOS seven because uh, most things are not. And, uh, and that, and that's not good. So, uh, so yeah, iOS seven. Oh, Oh yeah. The people that I ordered the, the you know, where I told you one out of the four cables uh, didn't work and yeah. I, I sent a support request. I think they're in Hong Kong or something like that. They're like, Oh, okay. We'll send you four more. I, I, based on the based on the email I got from their support, they're like, "Oh, okay, we'll send you more." Right, right. So as long as one of the four works, that's that's cool. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, Dave, do you watch uh, a lot of video on your iPad? I do uh, on airplanes. Typically, that's that's okay. about the that airplanes and hotel rooms. But yes, yeah, yeah. So because so, what I usually do and, and I went without an iPad for a while and and only used uh, my girlfriend's mini for a little bit when I didn't have my iPad yep. waiting for the air. And uh, I like to put my iPad down in the kitchen somewhere while I'm cooking or something like that and, and watch something. So I I always thought that a mini just wouldn't be big enough. And so that's why I went back with the air, although I will say after looking at hers for a while, uh, looking at the iPad air, I was like, wow, this thing is so big. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, I, I, I remember when I tested it last year, I haven't taken this mini, uh, obviously on an airplane yet. It, I only got it on Wednesday, but, um, but I did take the non retina mini on a cruise vacation that we took last, right about this time last year. And, it was fine on the airplane. It was great because it's small, you know, and, and when you're in like coach class cattle seats, you know, the, the it, it, you know, it's nice to have something a little smaller. And I really like reading on this. I just I just could never get comfortable holding the the full size, you know, the, the iPad three um, yeah. for, to read for any extended period of time. It just I, I just never could do it. But the, with the mini, it's no problem at all. So. Yeah, I still feel I still kind of feel that way about the air, even though it is lighter. Really? Um, but I, it's more comfortable to, to read with two hands 
on that thing for sure. Yeah. But, uh, this discussion has made me feel better about the fact that I have a, uh, a 17 inch MacBook pro that I've had for a while. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they don't have them anymore when I go to upgrade eventually, uh, that's been kind of upsetting, but the fact that you guys have moved to smaller sized devices, um, kind of makes me feel better about the whole thing when I yeah. eventually have to switch. I can't tell you how hesitant I was to, to even go down to the 11. I really was. I saw Dave working with the, with the 11. I, I had thought, the 11, oh, it looks yeah. good. You know, I really want one, but you know, can I get away with it? And I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a try. I've got the well, 30 days to send it back. And yeah. And I, I've had my 11 for two years and, uh, and there's no way I would even get a 13 going forward <laughs> with the power of the processors and, yes. the, and the SSDs and everything like that. I mean, right. what we have today wasn't even dreamt of four or five years ago. That's right. And, and now with the power, it's, it's easy to do. Yeah. I'm still with you, Michael. I got the 15 inch yeah. pro. Well, I also I still have, like the 15 inch form factor. Yeah, it is nice. Um, and I, and I also work with a second display always, so that'll mitigate it for sure. Mm-hmm. The, the, the biggest part about that, the thing that makes the 13 inch air totally usable is that it's got a full size keyboard. Yes. Uh, did I say the 13 inch uh, the air? I mean, the, inch. I meant yeah. the 11 inch air, but the 13 inch has one too, but, but you're not sacrificing that keyboard for any other size that, that you're, it's not a netbook type keyboard Correct. You know, that used to drive you nuts. Correct. And the screen, you know, the, the pixel depth is fine. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's the only, it's the first laptop I've had where I actually use it on the couch. My 15 inch was just too heavy. And you know, I just, blah. That's terrible, but the the eleven is awesome. Yeah, smaller's better. It's good. Blech, I say. What do you mean? Blech. I say blech to you. You should get, try <laughs> try the try the 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 no. Maybe maybe even the thirteen inch air for you, John. If you if you feel like you need some middle ground to be comfortable with, you might. I I, I really I, I highly recommend it. No, the I got I got awesome. something I got something here uh, that you know with a really small screen, and I I can't like. I couldn't imagine doing real work with it. So, um, what's your what's your really small screen? Oh, the the iPhone. Well, yeah, right. That's why there's devices that are large. I'm not talking about a four inch screen. I'm talking about an eleven. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking fifteen. They still make them. They do. Yeah, they do. Are you going to get fully Retina? I think that's the only choice now, isn't it? I think you're right. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's no. This is good. Thanks for keeping us on. <laughs> No, I meant to put this on the agenda because it's, uh, oh, I knew right. people were going to, you know, it was people that asked about it. So, uh, all right. I want to talk about our second sponsor and that is connected data. Connected data are the people that make the transporter. The transporter has been out for a little while and they've, uh, they've actually been through quite a few iterations of, uh, of stuff over there and they just released a new model. So for those of you that don't know the transporter, uh, the concept behind Transporter is private cloud. We all know what Dropbox is. Uh, we, we, we all either use it or we've, we've heard from people that use it. A place to store your files that are synced amongst all your computers. Dropbox syncs with the cloud. And the cloud is this nebulous place. And so much so that you don't know where your data is or who has access to it. And yes, it's encrypted on Dropbox's end, but it's encrypted with their key. So not only are they holding your data, but they also hold the key to decrypt your data. This is handy if you need your data. But it's also handy if someone else does. Uh, and maybe you don't like, maybe you don't need to have this, or maybe you do. Maybe, you know, you've, you, uh, you, you work somewhere where you just can't store your data. 
uh, anywhere that you don't have full control over it. Well, the transporter solves that problem by putting a device in your house or in your office that stores all your data. You now become the cloud. The transporter is the cloud. You can access it as long as you have Internet access, uh, both at home and wherever you are. You can access it from anywhere, locally or remote. And it syncs up, it syncs a folder, especially with version two of their software. They finally started to get to the right place with the way the syncing works and it keeps getting better. But, uh, but they, the, that's the concept is you just sync with this thing. Multiple people can sync with it. Uh, it. You can have one transporter for, uh, you know, for, for multiple people or uh, like John and I have, we each have transporters and we can have our transporters stay in sync with each other on a folder by folder basis so that we can have, say, a Mac Geekab folder that we have. But our transporters sync it and then we sync locally to our own transporter, which gets really interesting. It's pretty cool. They've got uh, a couple new things. So the first new thing is actually they've got a few new things, not just a couple. The first new thing is the transporter sync. Originally, the end and they still exist. The transporters have uh, a drive inside them. Well, the transporter sync is just the magic hardware that plugs into your network and it's got a USB port on it and you can plug a USB drive in. The transporter sync is 99 bucks and you've got it. We've got a code that will tell you about that gets you 10% off of that. So it's 99 bucks and that's and you roll, you bring your own drive, plug it in via USB and you're good to go. Then they've got uh, they've, of course, got the uh, the 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 original transporters i'll call it uh but those the prices on those have come down by 50 bucks so a one terabyte transporter is now 249 a two terabyte transporter is now 349 and they have a new transporter with just a 500 gig drive for 199 so uh so you can you know there's a lot of options starting at 99 bucks and then uh and then going up from there all of those are available to uh to get the 10% discount with, uh, which is uh, the coupon code M G G. And lastly, I promised there were three new things. Uh, version oh. 2.4 of transporter yes. desktop is coming out and they're doing a couple of interesting things. They're starting to focus on the stuff that people want to actually sync. One of the things is all of OS 10 special folders. And by that, they mean desktop documents, downloads, movies, music, and pictures. And if you, and, and, and syncing these with version 2.4, which we've seen, it's not out yet. It's in beta. Uh, you just check a box and say, I want to sync this with my transporter and boom, now it's synced with it and you can have your other Macs sync with it. So you can have your desktop folder in sync amongst all your Macs just with the click of a button and transporter manages that for you. And the same with documents, the same with pictures, et cetera, et cetera. So while this isn't going to give us the Holy grail, geek challenge answer with uh, iTunes that we talked about. It will get you closer. It'll at least have your music in all your places. So, you know, it steps in the right direction. So, so let me get that right. It's going to be able to put, like you said, desktop folder. Yes. But so the desktop folder won't necessarily be stored. It's not stored on the transporter, but it's keeping it sync. No, no, no. It's stored on the transporter, oh, on the transporter and well. on okay. your Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, so it's in sync. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh-huh. And they have iOS. Uh, they've got iOS apps for iPad and iPhone. And uh, and it and and they, you know, I've got just got a question from uh, from the Mac mommy. And yeah, I've, I've used it, uh, it to go get files and pull things and they just goes and gets them works. 
which is how it's supposed to be. Essentially, you have a two terabyte storage iPhone. Yeah, well, you've got access <laughs> to two terabytes yeah, of storage. Exactly. I mean, let's be realistic. Yeah, you know, sure. if you're across a network or especially across a, uh, you know, if you're a remote, sure. uh, it takes some time to transfer. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. So check it out. Uh, let's see. It's at uh, filetransporter.com slash MGG. And uh, of course, you can get the 10% off with the MGG coupon code. All right. Now, Michael. Yes. Yes. So Michael Johnston is here with us. Michael Johnston has done many things. He created iPhone alley before he sold it. Uh, and then those people took it and ran it straight into the ground, uh, <laughs> which, which sucks, <laughs> which really sucks for a lot of reasons. It sucks. Uh, you did a great job with that site. I really, I still wish you were running it. Uh, Me too. Do you? Yeah. They should yeah. Get, they should give it back to you. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. They won't. I don't know. Maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe they will. Uh, they're, they're, Maybe they will. Yeah. Anyway, but they, yeah, we are moving on. Right. And, uh, and, and you're also the host and, uh, and creator of the, we have communicators podcast, which is again, an excellent podcast, uh, about all yep. things, iOS that you mm-hmm. usually do with Jeff Gamut and Adam Christensen and occasionally other folks. Yep. And, but for the last year, maybe year plus you've been working on a website, uh, at getappler.com, G-E-T-A-P-P-L-R.com, which is about, uh, solves the problem of finding out what apps you might like. Because let's face it, Apple's recommendation system, well, they don't actually have a recommendation system, do they? <laughs> I mean, right. they do. Yeah. They think, they say that they do, but they, I think it's it's a perfunctory thing, right? It's like, oh, here we have it. Stop asking for it. And, and yeah, so- they- they kind of run it like it's the uh, the music store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they just kind of decide what. I mean, they do look at charts of what people think is popular, but at the same time, it's it's as general as possible. Right. Right. So. And yeah, and so there's and so no way to tell what your friends like or what people that like apps like you like. I mean, Apple has the genius thing, but it's eh, you know eh, it's not so great. So I've used Appler. Uh, I have an account there. I've had an account for a long time, but I don't use it on a regular basis. And I, I want to understand, I want you to convince me to use it on a regular basis. And I don't say that I, I I'm, I'm quite open to it. I just never think to go there. So tell yeah. us more about it and, and, and remind me why I need to be there every day. Okay. Well, uh, you kind of went over the, uh, the, the general purpose of it, but it's, um, you know, I, I always thought that even in the early days that about 95 to 98% of the apps in the store are, uh, are pretty bad or not relevant to me at all. Um, and then at some point, all my friends every once in a while would say, Hey, have you seen this app? Have you seen this app? It's what I'm having fun with right now. It's really cool. And that's, I mean, that's still how I would, how I find awesome apps is when people tell me about them. Very rarely do I go to Apple's homepage or the app store homepage or scroll around in, in various subdirectories there. Uh, because like I said, it's, it's very generalized and it's not uh, focused on the, the sort of stuff that you like and, and your friends kind of, uh, filter that down for you because you hang out with people who have uh, similar tastes and, and like similar things. And so Appler works on a follow model where uh, you have all the, this giant 
database of the apps that people like or they don't like or that they don't really care for either way. Um, but when you start following people, uh, it, it filters it down into something that is meaningful to you. So not only do you get to, so when you go to Appler, G-E-T-A-P-P-L-R.com, you have the, uh, the activity page, which just shows you what's been going on recently. And, uh, it's based on either the people you follow, or you can toggle it to see everybody if you want. And, uh, you can see what's going on there. It also gives you a popular view. So it, it pulls, uh, apps that are, uh, popular within the scope that you're looking. And it also, it's, it's, discover popular apps. So it's not just popular apps. It actually looks at the fact that you own certain apps. And so it just subtracts those apps from that equation uh, because you've already seen some of the apps that are popular. Maybe you already have TweetBot, but it is trending, Uh, but you don't need to see it because you already have it. So one of the cool features of Appler is that it knows the apps that you have. And, um, so that provides a lot of really interesting benefits like that one that I said, but also the fact that, uh, when you are on there, either looking at the activity page or the popular page, or just, uh, like checking out what apps, uh, Dave Hamilton likes or the apps that I like or whoever your friends are, uh, when there's an app that appears, uh, that you already have because it knows what you have, it provides you with the controls right there to, uh, to rate those right away. And it's one click rating. And if you want to add a review, you can, but certain apps just don't need a review. Um, and, and the, the big thing, the reason I'm here talking about it now, the Appler has been out for over a year now. Um, but what I really wanted to do was make something that is, uh, perfectly created for an iPhone. I, I sort of did it around the idea of an iPad screen, but now, uh, there is a fully optimized mobile version. So, uh, it's perfect whenever you, um, whenever you're thinking, Hey, I want to, I want to check out what's cool in the app store now. So you just pull it up instead of going to the app store, you can pull this up, scroll around, see what apps your friends have. You can look at their specific profiles and uh, see all of the apps that they've recently rated. Or you can even look at someone's entire app library uh, and search around and and do all that fun stuff. Now, one of the best things uh, that I wanted to add in here was Apple, the App Store, has reviews, but it's a one-way street. Someone writes a review. You don't know who they are, first of all, which is, you know, you get the benefit of knowing who these people are, if they're your friends. Right. right. Uh, but you can also interact with them. You say, Hey, you like this app. Does it do this one thing that I'm curious about it doing? And then they get a notification and they respond to you and you can figure out if it's the right app for you before you spend whatever amount of money on it. Uh, and you can also bookmark things on here, uh, which allows you to not only just keep a list of those apps that you say, Hey, that's pretty cool. I might use that sometime in the future, but not right now. But it also gives you the ability to um, get notifications if you want when an app has been updated. So maybe it's something that you, the app hasn't gotten to the point where you want it, but it looks promising. You can check that box and it'll let you know when an app has been updated. Oh, see, okay, this is, this is what I was looking for. Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, there, there are apps where it's like, ooh, that one's close, 
but yeah huh. even if it's an app that you've downloaded like some apps i've already downloaded but i'm like i don't need this on my phone it doesn't do what i want but maybe it will one day uh oh, so that, I, I, there okay. are apps i keep on my phone only because i'm waiting to see when they get updated yep uh now one thing i want to point out uh is like and you've said this many times that appler knows what apps you have yes but you didn't explain how it knows and i think this is one of the coolest things you don't have to go in and tell it every app that you have if you don't want to if mm-hmm. if you like you can link it with your itunes store account and it will download a list of every app that you've downloaded and automatically populate your apps on appler with that list and keep it up to date which yep, i think is yep. awesome it actually uh if you want it'll automatically uh, give you a little reminder a couple days after you've downloaded a new app it'll say hey you've you've gotten this new app what do you think about it and then obviously you're you're probably uh you know in your bed you just woke up checking your emails or, or what have you in the morning and okay you know you click on that and you do your couple ratings and then you're done kind of thing and that's an optional deal but that's at the same time in the name of security that's not required at sure. all you don't have to link your apple id because um, sure. i know that some people just don't want to do that and it's just about as easy as possible uh to id so that you just kind of go in and say this is an app i own instead of saying yes i own it now let me rate it it's just here are all of the apps and then press the rating button. Now the, the benefits uh, aren't as great because uh, when you see an app that someone else rated, you don't get the option to uh, rate it right there because it doesn't know that you have it. Right. Um, and, and you don't get a, a couple other things like the, the little reminders and, and whatnot. So, I mean, it is a lot more useful when you do that, but if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you don't have to. Right. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. And John, you were going to say something. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I had a few questions. So, so I did, recently sign up for it and uh, yeah that was my one question i thought that was a cool part now is that that's an api i guess that that apple offers that gives your site <laughs> uh, access to the uh, they they offer it uh to themselves okay my- i guess uh, i was curious from a programming standpoint how you're able to uh i mean they know so but- yeah okay. I, I think this might classify as secret sauce uh, it is secret oh. sauce yeah all right but that's I'll fine see- I'll say the way it, it's done is uh, the same exact way that your um, that your iPhone does it. And this is something that I kind of when I was working on this, uh, Adam Christensen uh, has kind of been advising me from time to time on this. And, and we were trying to put our heads together on this uh, last year. And I realized at some point, wait a minute, whenever I go into my iPhone to look at my purchased apps, I don't have to type in my password. So because I didn't want to store right. somebody's password. Because I could do it storing a password, but sure. that would put everybody oh, at risk if someone got into my okay. database. All right. I, so, I think I, I get how you're doing it. So uh, yeah, the other observation, the other observation I made here, which I think I answered my own question, but so I was going through the site here. So it lists all my apps. And my question was like, for example, I was able to, you know, easily look up all the apps that you have. Mm-hmm. Now, my question was like, say, I don't want everybody to know that I have the My Pretty Pony app. <laughs> yeah. Right. Could I delete that from my list of apps? And it appears that you offer that level of control where if I don't want to list an app, and actually I noticed that lists of apps here that I have since deleted and stuff and are not current, mm-hmm. but I have downloaded them at one point. So, uh, so yeah, I may want to tune my list here of, of things for, for whatever reason, if it's something I either don't have anymore, or I just got to do some housekeeping or, uh, okay. 
Yeah, that's up to you. You can uh, hide individual apps uh, from your library and uh, or you can even go entirely private mode um, in the style of Twitter so that only people who you've approved to follow you can see any of your stuff. Okay. Right now, I don't think I have anything to hide, but <laughs> that's, that's what you think, John. <laughs> don't get caught, John. That's right. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and then the, the other part of the, uh, the bookmarking feature is in addition to the update uh, notifications, of course, it will also update you uh, if you want when an app goes on sale, or I should say if the price drops on it. So if you want, you can set that up as well. Um, and so the other cool thing that I've done uh, on the activity page, so when you're looking at everybody's stuff, or on a particular person, particular person's activity, or within their app library, you can filter down um, using various filters, such as uh, I only want to see uh, positive opinions, so you don't see the, the bad stuff. Uh, you can see only paid or only free. You can see iPad, iPhone, or universal apps, and you can filter it down by category or a combination of all of those things. So you can really figure out uh, what you're looking for pretty fast. It's pretty cool. I, I, I started digging back into it recently and, um, and now I'm now, now that you've told me about these notifications and stuff, especially with it, where it syncs up with what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked now. And the, and the, the UI that you got on the iPhone is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me want to go back and, uh, Tweak the, the desktop site too. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have one question. Is there a way to mark an app as a favorite on the iPhone UI? Because that, that I could not find when I was going through it last night. Yeah, so the way it is uh, on both the desktop and the iPhone is to to add or to manipulate the favorites in any way. So you have your list of the, these are my absolute favorite apps. Yep. They're on your profile. Uh, you, you edit that from your actual profile. So on your uh, profile on the iPhone, there's a little gear next to my favorite apps and you press that and it goes into a big editing mode and you can add okay. your apps. So, but I can't do it when I'm going through and rating apps. There's no, no like that's something that I want to add in there soon. Cool. That's yeah. been a, a very popular request. Okay. All right. So I'm not alone. I've got a question and or a feature request. Is, sure. Is there a way to link uh, for people like me who aren't smart enough to get everything into one iTunes account? Is there a way to link uh, multiple iTunes accounts? So that the, app, all the apps that are on my phone, not just the apps that are under one account on my phone. Yeah. Right now there's only there's only one account that you can link to it. Okay. Uh, in the future, I may expand it to multiple. Uh, but what you can do is whenever you link your account to it, it will uh, pull in all of those apps. Okay. And then, so if there's one uh, primary and one secondary, so you would log in with the secondary first and it would suck in all those apps. And then you log out, log in with the primary and gotcha. then it'll pull out primaries. And so whichever one you want to keep regularly updated you would keep logged in with, but it, gotcha. it okay. maintains those apps. Okay. That makes That's sense. Yeah. yeah. So then I would have the, my pretty pony account if I did that. And I linked the one, <laughs> well, if I linked the one that the kids use, cause yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they use, uh, they like the, they like all the stupid games that like the peppy games. Have you ever seen that peppy bath game? I, listen, if people, I do this to my the kids. I, I load, right. I loaded the peppy bath game onto my iPad, um, iPad before our last vacation. And I always sit in between the kids. I, I can't believe I'm telling this story. I sit between the kids. 
on the airplane. It started when the kids were really young and Lisa was with them all day long, every day, every week. And we went on vacation. We get three seats on the plane on, you know, on one side of the aisle and then the aisle seat on the other. And I would always give that aisle seat to Lisa and I would sit between the two kids and manage them for the flight. Right. Because this is something different. It's not what I do every day. And, you know, she gets to do something that she doesn't do every day, which is not manage the kids. So we still do this. I still sit between the kids, even though they they could sit alone on the plane and be totally fine. Actually, my daughter has like flown alone, but it's just it's become tradition. And so uh, I knew that this was going to happen. And so the last trip that we did, I loaded Peppy Bath onto my iPad and uh and I, I started playing it and the kids just, I mean, they just went nuts. I just in the middle of the flight, I just started playing it. And both of them, it took them like, you know, 10 seconds to realize what was going on. But if anybody else on the plane had seen me like playing this game where you're like helping this, 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 you know, like four year old child, it's, it's not a real child, but it's, you know, a, a cartoon child uh, in the bathroom. They'd think I was <laughs> some sort of pedophile. I mean, it, there's no question that that's what would happen and that would be bad. So I had to turn it off quickly, but, uh, but the kids got a kick out of it. So that was. That's <laughs> if this is the second time you've said your kids did something stupid, I think you better smarten them up. Mm. Oh boy, they liked it. Hey, they liked first, this you stuff. said they have stupid designs on their cases, and now they run they do. stupid apps. I mean, yeah. come on, well, that's right. kids are stupid. No, they they like to they like to play. It's good. They loved it. They got a kick out of it, and they they play it for the same. And my kids are thirteen and eleven. They don't need Peppy Bath, right? I mean, they they need it as much as I do. They just can get away with playing it and not have DCF come and ask them questions. Whereas if I play it yeah. too much, I'm pretty sure DCF's already here because uh, we've got the NSA listening because we're doing this over Skype. So, uh, so you know, we'll say hello. Uh, that's yeah. good. We got to start Michael, saying hello to the NSA in every show. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Michael, uh, I have a question here. I, sure. I ask this question pretty much of anybody who's offering a product or service. You know, sure. As I try to do the journalist thing, uh, you know, in my uh, travels here. But um, uh, how you... Uh, are, are you doing this for reasons other than the kindness of your uh, out of the kindness of your heart? And what I, I was what I guess I'm suggesting. And uh, if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. But uh, like you know, I make how, money. how you make how you making money off of this? I see ads on the site. Is that. Or do yeah, you have any well, future plans or something you don't want to talk, you know, you don't you don't have to. Well, no, I'll, I'll answer that for sure. Um, primarily, um, it, obviously, it came out of a a need in my life and in many other people's mm-hmm. lives. So that's the primary reason I did it. Um, but also, yeah, I totally want to make money on this because I think it's a, it's a useful thing for people. And, um, I, I, right now I have Google ads, um, and I make money off of any apps. I have the, uh, Apple affiliate program. So if you buy an app through Apple, or so if you click the link and go to the store, um, then I get, I think 5% or something like that. Uh, But that actually reminds me, there's, there's another really neat feature. Um, If you're looking at apps on your desktop or a, yeah, on on your desktop primarily. uh, And it's something, Hey, I want to get this app. Then there's, instead of just going to it in the app store on your desktop, uh, there's another option that says, uh, send me a link if you're signed in. So what that does is just sends you a, an email to that app in the app store. So you can jump to it very quickly on your iPhone. Cool. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks Michael. And, uh, keep us posted. I know you will, but, uh, keep us posted on any new developments. Cause uh, I, you know, this is good stuff and, Definitely. And, and you're part of the Mac geek Cab family. So it's, you know, it's even better stuff. Yeah, and I appreciate having me uh, on the show. Oh, absolutely! No, it's good. It's it's uh, it's excellent. I, I'm glad to have you here. A because you're a member of the family, and B because you've got this cool product, and C 
because it gets us in the habit of having uh, some guests on and, and that's a good thing for us too. So it's, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're doing all sorts of great, great services for us. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know we've, uh, we've gone all over the map today. Uh, we're not done. Uh, I don't think. No, we're 55 minutes. Okay, we can go a little longer. So uh, a couple of, uh, uh, I've got one tip that came last week. And John, you'll appreciate this because you were ranting about it, how iTunes uh, goes and wipes out, you know, and changes everything. Uh, and in Mac Geek Up 474, we talked about using Doug's Apple scripts to fix uh, ripped movies uh, and reclassify them from home movies to regular movies. The problem, as many, many listeners pointed out, is that movies in the movies category are not identified easily by name. When you're going through them visually, you have um, the uh, the artwork. So you've got to be able to have the artwork for the movie in there to identify what movie it is that you're going to see. And perhaps that's why Apple did this move. Right. Because they realized that your home movies, quote unquote, home movies might not have metadata, i.e. artwork associated with them. And therefore, uh, suddenly all these movies that you had in in that category are no longer visible. Well, you can add that back in. Of course, you can do it manually or uh, there is a piece of software called Identify2 and it's at identify.rmehardies.com and that's actually right. That's how we'll, we'll put the URL in the show notes. But uh, but it's built to do exactly this in an automated way. It goes through, compares for the movie you have to an online database and syncs up all this stuff. Plex will do the same sort of thing. They have There are many, many online databases of, of movies and their descriptions and, and metadata like actors and, and categories like, you know, comedy or drama or kids or whatever. And then, of course, the uh, poster artwork. So uh, we will put a link to identify. And thank you, Tracy. It is good stuff because without that, you're right. This would be potentially disaster and, and we don't like disaster i have a uh, i want to chime in on, on my favorite app for doing this yeah go please because um, i i also rip dvds to my mac and uh, uh ivi by south pole software okay as well so there's a pro version that will actually rip and uh, and pull in all the information and i think that's 10 bucks but there's also just a standard ivi available in the mac app store and i think that might be five bucks okay so it doesn't rip so if you want to use handbrake or what have you uh, and then pull that into ivi then it will uh then you can go for the cheaper version um but ivi pulls in the 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 artwork and you can actually choose from a bunch of different options that they found for that movie uh it pulls in uh all the extra metadata uh the rating and uh sometimes it can even find the uh the names of uh the the chapter titles oh wow which is very fun and uh in addition to that, if you rip a movie that doesn't have subtitles, I like subtitles. Uh, and if you don't want to have those burned in, so here's a, a bonus for you. Uh, There's uh, one called Subler, which is really cool. But actually, I think IVI will uh, even take care of that too. So, But you'd have to find subtitles. So uh, the place where I look for subtitles is subscene.com. So there's sub-scene. three things for you. All so right. IVI, really, IVI is the only one you got to worry about because that'll take care of everything except for actually finding the subtitles, and then you can use Subscene for that. Dude, this is awesome. Yep. 
Oh, excellent. I was missing the uh, I was missing the Klingon parts in uh, the search for Spock. So yeah, I had to go get those. Yeah, and so you, you don't speak Klingon. Do you add those in as? Uh, I know we're going to get a little geeky here, but this is good. Sure. That's what we do. Uh, are you adding those in as a subtitle track, or are you are you doing what what they call a burn in, where where you're actually just putting them in the movie and they're they're in there forever? It's a subtitle track. It and- is okay. And I'm not sure uh, because I do use Subler for the subtitle part. Yeah. Um, and especially with, so there are movies that don't have alternate languages, so you can just throw it in there right. uh, using IVI and it works great. Okay. Uh, Subler offers you uh, a little bit more in terms of uh, setting up. So like in movies, search for like search, search for Spock. Yeah. Uh, where you have multiple tracks. And if you want both of those to be non burned in actual subtitle tracks, Subler works perfect for that. So you can add in multiple tracks. You have the Klingon track and you have the, the standard English track, and then you can set one to be a, uh, the all samples are yep. forced track. And then the other one will be the, uh, the non force. Mm. So, Oh, that's yeah. cool. Okay. Subler's free. So check that out. Yeah. Subler's cool. Okay. And you can also do that if, um, I imagine you'd go to subscene to get the file, but, uh, and I'm going to use that, but you could also use that with handbrake and handbrake will do that forced burned in thing as well. So yeah. Oh, this is good. Yeah. Cause you need that Klingon stuff. That's yeah. really important. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, this, this shocked me. I think I mentioned to you video station on the Synology. Yeah. Imagine my shock because I was researching a question. And so I, I recently repeating there, which we talked about. Yeah. And as soon as I uh, copied over the uh, M4, V file, I think it was. All of a sudden, it appeared with the cover art and the title and a synopsis, and I'm like, "Right, oh no, that is too cool." Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Video Station also has links to to these online databases and just does it. That's right. It sometimes gets them wrong. It's funny sometimes when you put a movie in, and then like two days later, you look and you're like, "I don't have that movie," and then you realize <laughs> it miscategorized it, which happens. Well, Flex does it too. Yeah. Well, I think it's doing it similar to the music ID technology is that it's right. looking at the length and the chapters and it's like, well, here's what I have in my database or close enough. So yeah. maybe that's, yeah, I've had that too. <laughs> yeah. But that, but it, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. And, uh, and one thing, and I, I know we've mentioned it many times, but for those of you that have Apple TVs and keep your video library on your NAS unit, if you have a Synology NAS, Synology's video station software, which is what John just, uh, just mentioned here will stream directly to your Apple TV, even though this is not something that Apple supports, allows uh, anything like that. It's it's not you you have to start it with your web browser or or your iPhone or iPad, but it's not going via your iPhone or iPad. That's oh. just the control. Oh, I can do it through the web browser. You can do it through the thing. Yep. You can do it from your computer. We saw, we had a question of someone that asked that and they haven't gotten back to us. They're, yeah. they're like, I want to do this with my NAS. I hope they have a... Synology, but right. you've got to kickstart it with either the iOS app or a web browser. Right. Then you but, can control it with but the then you uh, could Apple turn, TV. Yeah, you could turn your iPhone off. It's not that it's going via your iPad, yeah, iPad with AirPlay. Cool. Yeah, but it, it once it goes, then you can actually pause it with the uh, the standard Apple TV yeah. remote or whatever remote you're using with your Apple TV. It's cool. I, I, I'm so happy. That they, when they announced this feature, I called them up. I'm like, you don't actually mean that that's what you're doing. You're, you're going AirPlay. They're like, well, yeah, we're using AirPlay. Like, oh, okay, great. They're like, but, but, but not via your right. device. I'm like, well, how'd you do that? They're like, well, I don't know. We just did it, which is <laughs> great. I was, I was, well, I was starting to get annoyed because I was looking 
for it to show up in one of my Apple TV menus. That was my expectation. And yeah, I'm like, so, so, nice. they, so they figured a way to, to kind of sneak around that. Yes. Yeah. Well, and all this goes away once Apple allows Plex on the Apple TV. Now, whether that'll ever happen or not, I don't know. But Oh, like DLNA and stuff like that? Not DLNA, just like true Plex. If you could have a Plex client mm-hmm. app okay. on your Apple TV. And some TVs come with Plex. I mean, there are there are TVs that have a Plex client in them. But, uh, but Plex is awesome. I mean, Ple- yeah, just got a new uh, Blu-ray DVD player has a Plex app in it. Yeah. 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 And it's, yeah. Oh, it's killer yeah. it, because it, so, all right, now we're going to talk about Plex because it's sure. awesome and, and, <laughs> and, and it's awesome. Uh, so the idea behind Plex is it goes through and you can run a Plex server on your Mac. You do not need a NAS unit, uh, you, but I have it running on my disk station, but you could run it on your Mac mini. You could run it on your laptop. It doesn't matter. And you point it at your music, at your movie library. It'll also do music too. You point it at your movie library. It goes through, it categorizes everything. Like we've talked about here, it uses various online services to figure out what movies, you know, these files actually are. And it adds all the artwork and all that. Then you go from a client. Now the client could be Plex on your computer. It could be Plex on your DVD player, like Pete said, or the Plex app on your iPad or iPhone. And you go and you find a movie. And if you want to stream it direct to your device, you just press play done. Or you can sign up for a Plex pass account, which I think is like 30 bucks a year. And then uh, you can not only stream to your device, but you can sync to your device, which is great for offline use on the plane. And it's way easier than doing it any other way, because I just go on my iPad and I say, I want that movie on the airplane. And I say, sync. And then it downloads. And here's the best part. It can download when I'm at my house or it can download when I'm in a hotel room. As long as I have Internet access, it'll do it. And because Pete and I are buddies and we've linked with each other's Plex libraries, I can watch a movie from Pete's Plex library on any device that I want. And Pete can do the same thing. And I don't even know if he's doing it. So I haven't been. I need to. Yeah, you got to be doing it. So it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I know we've talked about it before, but Plex, it's just it's good. Plexapp.com. They didn't pay us to say that. I, I, in fact, they didn't even give me a free Plex Pass account. I pay for that too. And happily, every every year I pay for it. So, it's good. All right. Now I'm done. I'm happy. Are we, uh, but we're not done with the show. We don't have to be, right, John? No, I want I to get to at least one, one of the ones. That- <laughs> one of the ones that you prepped? Yeah. All right. Uh, we're, we're, well, I think we'll get there. I think we will. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's at least do two more here. So um, this one's quick and uh, and it's good. So John listener, John writes, he says, I'm getting a 2012 Mac Pro 12 core to replace my 2009 Mac Pro 8 core. Can I just remove the drives from the 09 and put them in the 12 without having to reinstall Mavericks or use migration assistant? Can I just move the drives? Can it be that easy? Will all my software work? Does anything look at the machine's ID or whatever? Any help would be appreciated. Yes, John, it truly is that simple. You just move the drives. The way it works is if the version of the OS that you have on one machine is updated enough to boot another machine, it will work. Now, it's possible, like if, if and, and I know you're not doing this, but it's possible that you know, we're on, what are we on? 10, nine. We're just on 10, nine. Oh, right now. Right. We don't have 10, nine, one yet. Do we? Right. Help me out with this. You don't. Yeah. It's been a long day. Okay. Right. So 10, nine. Oh, it, let's say just for the sake of argument that, uh, 
1091 is required to run the new 2013 Mac Pro that's not yet out. And that's that's a likely scenario. And it might even be 1092. I don't know. Right. But um, if you don't yet have that version on your existing machine, then no, that drive won't boot the Mac Pro. But once you update your existing machine to that, it includes everything to boot every Mac that that OS version can boot. Um, And that's a change. I mean, it happened a while ago, but it wasn't always that way. It used to be that when you installed OS 10 on a machine, it would build the, you know, the OS version that just that machine required. And you kind of had to go jump through a couple of hoops to put the full install on a drive so that it could just boot everything. But that's no longer the case. Every install of OS 10 can boot anything that that version of OS 10 can boot, if that makes sense. So yes, it is that easy. Right, John? It is because I've done that. I think I told you in the past, Dave, when I had to send out an older machine to get repaired, I would pull the hard drive out of it and then put it on a newer machine and would just run off of that until the machine came back and then would. uh, Yeah, that's yeah. It's a really, really one uh, excellent feature of uh, of OS 10 as long as the machines aren't too far apart or the OSs are too far apart. Um, Now with I wonder about iTunes authentication, though. Yeah. That's a that's a great idea. Go ahead and tell him, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I think that it probably uses some identifying information from your hardware uh, for for any DRM content in iTunes uh, to generate that that key. So it would be really prudent of you to to go into iTunes and go to store uh, and click on deauthorize this computer before you switch it out. That's really smart. Yeah. Oh, good one. Because yeah. I'm almost positive they use the MAC address of your Ethernet adapter, or at least it's part of the, the formula to, to come up with that. So, yeah. So, if you go to a different machine. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a great good idea. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm going to ask, I, I, I know I'm delaying getting to your question here, John, but I'm just going to ask this question really quick. Hey, and maybe it's a geek challenge. Uh, since upgrading to something, either Mavericks or one of the latest versions of iTunes, I cannot Wi-Fi sync any iOS device whatsoever with my uh with my iMac or really with anything uh i'm i'm baffled because on both my machines i can see my iphone and so i have the what? macbook pro with mavericks yeah. and i have the mac mini with the uh, mountain lion and okay iphone 5s running the latest so what 704 you use an apple router as the main router to manage your network correct correct i have okay. a time capsule first generation 802.11 okay. n I think so that's yes, part of it. That, oh, Sean King on Twitter. Sean, Sean King's having the same problem. Ted Landau also is having the same problem. And so we've had this sort of ongoing conversation for several weeks about, you know, things we've tried. Sean brought his iMac and his iPhone into the Apple store and it synced flawlessly there. So it's not a <laughs> firewall issue on his machine. It's something about his network at home. And he's using a, a modem provided by the cable company. So I, I nothing in nothing in terms of my routers has changed. Um, but something it with in iTunes has changed. So I throw that out there. My, I don't know if you'd seen it, Michael. I know you, you, you know, you run into a lot of this stuff too. So. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Apple routers, so it's working fine for me. Yeah. And I do have one Apple router on my network because I know there's some magic that they do. So maybe I just, maybe I need to just reset all of my various routers. My, I do have a convoluted network here as I've, as I've mentioned (laughs) just a little, (laughs) Yeah, just makes trouble makes troubleshooting really fun. Yeah, just twenty or thirty devices. Well, the problem is I have. Okay, and then when you get hit by lightning, the fun really begins. 
I'm totally protected against lightning right now. Knock on. Yeah. Knock on wood. Um, (laughs) So I have my main router, which is a Buffalo device. I have a time capsule that I only use not as a Wi-Fi point anymore, um, but it's used as a time capsule. And it also sits on the network in uh, effectively bridge mode, although it's neutered in that sense, too. And then I have uh, two other Buffalo uh, routers that are in just access point bridge mode because just to get Wi-Fi in different spots, the office and the other corner of the house. Um, I think that's it. So just, just, I only have four routers and three of them are in bridge mode. So, so uh, seems you know what, Dave, yeah. speaking of Apple routers, I want to throw this out as a, a, a very tiny tangent. You probably yeah, already know what I'm going to say here, but the thing is uh, I've seen the uh, 802.11 AC uh, either airport or time yeah. time capsule. Yeah. And they look very nice. But here's the one fish shake, and I don't think I'm going to get one for this reason, because it actually came up when I was researching a listener issue. Yep. This is the first time capsule that does not support SNMP. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, for some people, you may not even know what SNMP is. And if you don't know what it is, then don't worry about it. But that's right. I've confirmed uh, through multiple sources that the time, the 802.11 AC is the first and probably all future models will not support it. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to put it back in the firmware. I, I, I suspect it's in the firmware somewhere, yeah. and I don't know why they would take it out. It's a feature that lets you monitor the performance and the, uh, maybe control the performance of the... Uh, I will point uh, out... Mostly for monitoring what's happening, and I don't know why they'd remove it. It's it's a standard. It, 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 you know, most routers have it, and it, probably the ones that you have, Dave, the three others, <laughs> yes. have Actually, SNMP all, monitoring. All four, because my time capsule is a first-gen time capsule, right. so it has it too. But I will tell you, I don't use it on any of them because... My Buffalo routers, either running Buffalo's firmware, which two of them run, or the DDWRT firmware, which is what my main router runs, they all give me that information via their web interface, so I don't need to go right. get it via SNMP. And that's why I run, part of, part of the reason why I run Buffalo stuff, I also run it because they had 802.11ac long before Apple, and uh, and their and their uh, 3x3 MIMO stuff is... I, it makes a huge difference. I've been running three by three MIMO stuff from Buffalo for a mm-hmm. long time. And it, it, you know, those, those three antennas coming and going make a huge difference in terms of um, not just network performance, but also uh, range. So, yeah. And, and Apple's new stuff does too. So, you know, you're, you're covered on that. So, oh, yeah, all right. yeah. Yeah. Makes a big difference. It's uh it's one of those geeky things that Apple knows they have to talk about, but they, you know, they don't like to get that geeky, but it's it's essentially using three antennas and uh, and it, you're not sending to the, um, it, it, picking which antenna is the right one for that bit of data. The biggest problem with Wi-Fi performance is having to retransmit packets. And when you've got multiple antennas going, uh, you know, sending and receiving, you limit the chance that you're going to have to retransmit any one packet. And that's actually what makes Wi-Fi, you know, when you see your Wi-Fi speed changing, that's the thing that's happening is, you know, what your effective speed is because of packet retransmissions or not. And three by three MIMO deals with a lot of that. And that's where you get those speed boosts from it, which makes sense. So, all right, John, let's do Miguel before, uh, <laughs> before we right. get to another tangent. <laughs> Miguel, this was a good one because I actually ran into this before Miguel sent this in. So this is a a mini fish shake at Apple. (laughs) So Miguel writes in, 
After the Mavericks and the new iWork updates, I lost the ability to send a copy of any numbers document via Gmail. My office mail is a Gmail account, and whenever I send or try to send a numbers file as an attachment, an error occurs saying that the Gmail server blocked my email because it is deemed dangerous. And I actually ran into this recently as well, Dave, sending not a numbers file, but another type of file. They refer me to an article that describes the type of files that cannot be sent via Gmail. The list includes EXEs, obviously, and several other files. I believe it sees the numbers file as some sort of nested zip file. I would, I would appreciate any help you can give me with this issue since it was something we used to do all the time in our office and rely on that ability. Thank you. All right, Miguel, and here is my response. So, yes, they have changed the file format. So it is now a package or a directory. And you can do this. So, so I tried it first. I tried this with an old numbers file, and it worked just fine because it's a standalone file. But if you look at uh, files created with the new numbers, Dave, and everything yeah. else, yeah. and you right-click on it and say show package contents, oh, well, it's another one of these kind of sneaky things that Apple typically, or it's a package thing. It's, so it's really it, a directory. Is it, isn't it a G-zipped package, though? No. It's not. Well, it used to be, right? Uh I don't believe so. No. Well, well, I couldn't open it. At, uh, I didn't look at the old numbers file. Okay. But no, but what's happening. So with this I'm new pretty file, sure it was gzipped in the past. Um, okay. And that could be why. Okay. You're kind of getting ahead of me here. But yeah. uh, so, so let me finish this out here. Okay, so, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, so one thing that Gmail will do is that if they see a, a file being sent and it has a zip file within it, they will block that because they consider that a security risk. Uh, I guess what happens is that it's too easy for someone to on a PC or on a Mac to unzip that and then it wreaks havoc. So they block that. And sure enough, Dave, I did open up a file from the latest numbers, looked in the package, and sure enough, there is a zip file in there. Yeah. Okay. So that's why Gmail is blocking this. So, and you kind of helped answer the question here. So I'm like, wow, you know, there must be another way, there must be a way he can get around this. So one would be to export it to the older numbers 09 format. So you could do that and that gets through, but for whatever reason that may not work for him. Right. That would probably be the easiest solution. But here, Dave, I come up with, with I, what I thought was a kind of clever solution to this is um, you don't have to send a, a, a zip file is natively what, what Apple will create. If, if you try to you know compress something, if you try to do the, uh, the archive in a, in thing in the finder, right? Right, that creates yeah. a zip file. That's yes. a very common file format. But yes. OS X understands another format. Now, this gets a little tricky, and maybe you can help me answer this, but why not send it as a gzip file? So gzip is another way to compress something. Now, you can't do it directly, as far as I know, uh, from the finder, Dave. But what I did send along was a way that you could do this from the terminal. Okay. And it's, uh, and, well, and, and here's the command. So, so the way you can do that, now it gets tricky because you can't gzip a directory. What right, you can gotta, do. You've got to create a tarball first. Right. Let, let me, before, you get, before you get into that, though, did you try right. just zipping up the file and sending yes. that? Will Gmail also block that? Of course I did. Okay. Yes. Can okay. I ask a stupid question? Please do. If that was my first. Drop, do you zip the file, drop yeah. the dot zip, just change the uh, suffix or to I, nothing or huh? i i think see i that think may that's work. i think it's going to be smart enough because the zip file has a certain format i think yeah. they'll catch that i think maybe not well no 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 i think that's what you're sending when when you're sending the number the the new numbers format yeah. i think it is a zipped file right 
And and so well, no. Within within the package is a dot is zip a dot file. Zip. Yeah, but I think the so fi- I think the package not, itself is a zipped file. Oh. It may be, but I think what, what's true. It I don't believe it is. It's actually a okay. dot numbers file. Okay. But the reason that they block it is because they see a zip file in there, and there's no way to undo that. Or I I wouldn't do that. That's another way you could do it. You could change the zip file within the package. I don't think I'd recommend that. But here's a way to do it, Dave, yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. So as you suggested, you create a tarball. And a tar is just another, uh, tar is a way of creating a, an archive. And, and the command isn't, isn't too complex here. So, so what you would do is say tar. So you go to the terminal, you get to the directory you want to do this in. And then you'd say tar space dash Z C V F um, space then the name you want to give the gzip file, so whatever you want to name it, .gz, then a space, and then a quote, the name of your numbers data file, .numbers, another quote, and a slash, because it's actually a directory, and that will create a gzip file that you can then send. And then fortunately, so, so the archiver in OS X doesn't create gzip files, but it can un-gzip them. The archive manager, I think it's called archive manager, buried somewhere in the system tools. If you double zip on a gzip file, it'll ungzip it. So that's a way to get around this. Now, I looked on the Google forms and, and somebody is aware of this. Maybe not Google yet. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> so right. I don't know if they're going to fix this. Now, maybe there's a nicer tool to create gzip I, files I in found, uh, OS X. I found one. I've, I've always been, uh, my history of working with tar and gzip started long before GUI uh, interfaces existed. Right. So I'm, I wouldn't, I never before this point in time thought about finding a non terminal way of creating gzips, you know, tar, tar, gzip tar balls. Cause I use it all the time, but uh, I just did a Google search for it and count, found a, uh, a tool called Kika K E K A that we'll put in the, uh, in the show notes. And that uh, that will do it and it'll create tars and I mean, it'll gzip, it'll do whatever you want. So that that might be the thing. And I also checked, John, I looked inside a new numbers file and it is a folder. Mm-hmm. You're right. It is not zipped. And, and that's yep. that's part of what's going on here is that, um, you know, the, the the new version of numbers is a port of the iPad version, which uses this other file format. So the file format is consistent between the two, but Gmail blocks it. And I understand why, right. but they gotta they gotta fix that. So now another uh, now another solution here, and actually uh, I actually uh, so recently I had to mail a Visual Studio project to someone. Okay, uh, it was part of a little little test I'm taking, and so I tried doing this, and the same thing happened to me, and it's the same sort of problem is that within a Visual Studio project, um, there's a zip file, and so I did what uh, MGG Jim in our chat room suggested is I said, oh, okay, well I'll send you the source file, which is just a text file. And by the way, here's a link to, to Dropbox link to uh, download the project file. Right. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another way to, to get around it. So, so I can kind of understand why, why Google's doing it, but I think they, they need to tweak their algorithm to say, oh, this is a numbers uh, uh, it, you know, folder. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll probably let it through. I'll or they just want to aggravate Apple. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 That's kind of how it goes. All right. Well... I think uh, I don't think we need to break our record from last show, and I'm pretty sure last show was the closest show we ever did. So we're at 123. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to uh, have a question answered, or if you have a tip to share, or you have cool stuff found to share, 
feedback at MattGeekGab.com is the place to email us. Uh, maybe. You could try that. That, that may work. But uh, Dave, I prefer feedback at MattGeekGab.com. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. No, that's not feedback. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. <laughs> you guys in your feedback. Uh, I'm that's... hungry. <laughs> Don't make Dave create any more aliases. <laughs> feedback exists, but feedback is was was, was feedback was requested by uh, by uh, a different Michael, uh, one of our premium listeners, and so feedback actually redirects to premium at macgeekab.com. and that address and feedback, if you must, is uh, is available to all of our premium supporters, and for those of you that uh, that have a little extra and want to go a little extra, we very much appreciate all your support and you can learn about that at macgeekab.com listener Michael also asked for something that we also created this week many of you want to know when we have a uh, when we have our live show and uh, and we do post that to Facebook but we don't always post it a long time in advance and some of you like to plan and Pilot Pete was one of those. But it was actually listener Michael that asked first, said, can you share your calendar stream with us? And sure we can. So MacGeekUp.com slash calendar will, uh, if you just load that in your browser, it'll redirect, open up iCal or, uh, sorry, not iCal, calendar or uh, BusyCal, whatever you've got set as your main calendar program. And it will allow you to subscribe in a read-only fashion, of course, to our Mac Geek Gab calendar. So hopefully John and I will remember not to accidentally put our doctor's appointments and stuff in uh, in that calendar because all of you can see it now. So. Yeah, and you don't want people rescheduling the show either, so read-only is good. Yeah, read-only is good. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, so I that's took that one too. event off of there. I, awesome. You know, I, I don't know if I, I think I got a reset. I think I created an event on, on my iPhone, and I think it hmm. defaulted to that for some reason. I got, I got to change that setting. Yeah, it's in, uh, yeah, that's, that's all you got to do. So... So we've got that. Uh, you can call us at 206-666-GEEK, which is anyone? 433-5. That's right, 4335. All right, John, tell them. What else do we have? Uh, there's the Facebooks, facebook.com slash MacGeekAd, where uh, you can also, uh, as Dave said, maybe not uh, always in, in, in advance. So I think I just saw a couple of notifications. Uh, but Facebook, you can go to Facebook. Facebook. Uh, you can ask some questions. I think uh, I'm working on one right now, Dave. Maybe you want to help me out here. I'm kind of stumped on this one. All right. Um, you can... Uh, Let's you finish can the show first, first, shall we? When the show notes are finished. Yeah. When the show notes are finished, I will post a notification uh, uh, on Facebook. And, you know, I guess you could like us on Facebook. I, I guess that helps uh, That helps us and that helps you. So we also have the Twitters. And, uh, and we're all on Twitter. So uh, the show is uh, twitter.com slash MacGeekGab. Uh, that guy there is at uh, John F. Braun. The guy sitting next to me is at Pilot Pete. The guy sitting in Rockford, Illinois at uh, getappler.com headquarters is Michael Johnston. And uh, I'm Dave Hamilton. And uh, Mac Observer is at Mac Observer. So uh, I, think that, I think that covers everything. I do... Uh, as I do at the end of every show, but uh, today it's very, it's very, it's much more personal, isn't it, Michael? I would like to thank you, uh, not only for coming on the show, but uh, for the work that you're about to go do and uh, and convert this to AAC and add all those chapters 
And I hope that you can continue to do that. I hope that the tools and the interest is still out there going forward, because I know we have a lot of listeners that really appreciate that. So. Yeah, I, th- I think that it'll continue happening, especially considering the fact that I do my podcast with that version of GarageBand, so there's no reason for me to stop using that so well what i is hope there, is, is there that, no other tool there's no other tool except garage van and create the AAC vision from rogue amiibo oh, will right. do it um there was a little problem with fission doing it but now that paul kafasis is doing his just the tip podcast with amy jane gruber uh he found the bug and i think he's fixing it so that's good <laughs> yeah. but still I, if apple drops support for it that's where you know that that's where it could get to be a problem yeah. So, I mean, if, you know, if if like the podcast app stops working with that properly or iTunes stops working with it properly, it's it gets us into a realm of, OK, wait a minute. What are we doing here? But um, but, you know, anyway. So, yes. Thank you, Michael. That's a long winded way of saying thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd also like to thank Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. The podcast marketplace has BB Edit and Yo Jimbo from Barebone Software, Text Expander, PDF Pen, Disc Label, all from Smile. Uh, Gazelle.com gets you your uh, money for your old iOS devices and Squarespace to host uh, your blog or website, MGG11. Get you 10% off all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Michael, it is an absolute pleasure to have had you here, but I, I, I would I, I would love it if you would leave us with perhaps a lasting piece of advice for all of the listeners here. Well, if I had one piece of advice to give everybody, that would be to definitely not get caught. Made up.